0: on our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I have today and tomorrow to share what I believe is uh, a key message to answer a lot of the questions of how to enter into the call of God on your life. It is for me uh, the one revelation that I've built my ministry upon. I think it started when I read the sermons of John G. Lake. John G. Lake was an early missionary in the 1900s, early 1900s to Africa, and uh, he saw the power of God move in tremendous ways that uh, led to the establishing of over 500 churches in a very short period of time, I think 10 years, less than 10 years, they started 500 churches. And I was shocked when I had the privilege to go to uh, Zimbabwe with uh, Christopher Alam and had a pastor's conference. Uh, those churches are still active in Africa after all that time. And Well, Jesus said, you bring forth fruit and your fruit shall remain. And uh, so that that is exciting to meet some of those men, actually. But in those sermons of John G. Lake, he made, a, he made a statement that changed my ministry completely. Because up until that time, I approached ministry as a student only. And I mean, I studied when I would have to uh, preach or even share in a Bible study, um, I would study, study, study. I would read. I would take what I was going to say, type it out into an outline, then I, I had a typewriter. Then I would sit and type it out word for word, and then I would go stand in front of the mirror and I would practice and especially, you know, in the early years of preaching, and I'm not against that. That's that's an important beginning. It's good bedrock. Sort of like learning your chords or what they do on the piano. You practice the scales. And you, you might get tired of your teacher telling you to do it over and over again, but then you watch someone, And I, mean, I watch John on a guitar, and I know, I, we could ask him, but I intuitively know, he's not thinking F chord, where's my finger go? <laughs> he's not even saying F chord. You know, maybe there was a period of time he was saying F chord, and then his hand was moving into an F chord, but eventually he's not even saying F chord. Why? He's in the music. And, and ministering from the pulpit, you can get in the music. I didn't know that until I read this from John G. Lake. And he said one statement, changed my entire ministry. He said, I get all my sermons from praying in tongues. And I didn't know what to do with that. How do you get a sermon from praying in tongues? He gets all of his from praying in tongues. I don't know how to get one. It really buffaloed me because, uh, I you know I had a I had a mind still have one, and I and I thought I'd use it and I still do from time to time, take it out dust it off. <laughs> and uh, but for me it was all all those efforts, to get get the word of God in me understand the topic and teach the topic. And that's important. you got to do your scales. you got you got to memorize your chords. you got to know where your fingers go on the guitar, uh, the neck of the guitar, on the frets. But John G. Lake said, I get all my sermons by praying in tongues. He's also the one I, I, I heard or I read. He said he he didn't sleep without a pen and paper by his bed. So he'd wake up and he'd write it out. Um, So I began... At about that same time... <clears throat> um, this was fairly early, still fairly early on, but I mean, I started preaching when I was 16. So this is about 19, 20 years old. So we're talking three or four years of preaching on a pretty regular basis. And uh, I uh, went to, to Raymond in 1983. I actually went out to Tulsa. I didn't go to Raymond. I went out to Tulsa in 1983. And, uh, in fact, uh, I got there in... Uh, near Easter and I had it in my heart that I ought to get out there in the spring so I could get a job and get an apartment and get settled and get into life instead of just showing up first day of Bible school. You know? And I knew Brother Hagin taught a healing school and I knew, you know, the, the, the church they, they went well it wasn't a church at that time, but they still had evening services, even though they didn't call it church. At the school. So I drove into Tulsa, had, every, had all my possessions in my little car, you know, just packed out to the ceiling, you know, everything totally packed out. Pull into Tulsa, Oklahoma, thinking, hallelujah, I'm, I'm like as close to heaven as you can get. Pulled into, found a hotel for the night or motel, cheapest thing I could find for the night. So I was going to then the next day start looking for an apartment. Sat down at the little desk in the motel, you know, called my mom to let her know I got there safe. Hi, Mom. I got here safe. I'm fine. My mom says, Now, don't you forget what Grandma asked you to do. And I said, Oh, Mom. Come on. Years old. 19 years old, I guess. 19. Mom, come on. Grandma's cousin lives in Broken Arrow. She hasn't seen her for years. Here's the phone number. You told Grandma you'd call her cousin. Hang up and call her right now. And I said, Mom, I don't want to talk to an old woman, you know, Grandma's cousin. My mom says, Dale, I'm telling you, you're going to want to call her. I thought that's a strange thing to say. She hung up the phone. You understand some 19-year-old doesn't want to call Grandma's cousin (laughs) when you the first time you're free. Right? So I dial the number that my mom gave me sitting in that hotel. Someone picks up the phone and says, Good afternoon, Raymond Bible Training Center. May I help you? <laughs> I'm trying to reach Doris Moyer. One moment, I'll connect you. Hello? Doris Moyer picks up, Brother Hagen's personal secretary. <laughs> Grandma, I love you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dale Armstrong. I'm your long lost cousin once removed or what twice removed or I don't even know what that is. And Dora says, Where are you? And I told her, she says, Well you need to come on come on over. So right there, first day in Tulsa. I'm standing in Brother Hagin's office. I'm not sure how I got here. I'm completely off my sermon. What was I talking about? Praying in the Holy Ghost. John G. Lake praying in the Holy Ghost. Well, I got, I got into Ramah and so I got to, had a little bit of, of privilege remember doris had been brother hagen's personal secretary from the time he started his ministry and uh, doris had a secretary doris's secretary was a woman named billy brim How about that? so so far off my sermon I'm 19 years old, standing. She brings me into Brother Hagen's sec- in, into his office. He's not there. He was teaching the healing school, so it would have been 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm standing in Brother Hagan's office, and she leaves me alone in there. She says, Brother Hagan will come up. He comes up the back stairs, and I want to introduce you to Brother Hagan First day in Tulsa. I'm totally freaking out. So I'm looking at, and there's... I remember reading uh, there was something hanging on the wall that was the, the doctor's testimony of his, his heart condition. You know, I mean, I'm afraid to touch anything. Yeah. <laughs> and then I heard steps that were like, I could tell by the echoes going to come through the door. I could tell his steps that the steps were metal. They were echoing That had an echo sound. And I could hear those steps coming and the Spirit of God spoke to me. And he said, I've never called you here. It's not where you belong. Which is also what my mother told me before I packed the car and left. <laughs> True story. And, your girl, and my girlfriend. <clears throat> the sexy voice of God. So I left. I walked, I walked out of his office. Doris stood up and said, oh, he's coming, he's coming. I said, I, said, I know, but I, I just, this isn't right. I don't want to meet him this way. And I left. Later, she hugged me. She said, I, I, I understand. So I did meet him later. And I get to sit behind, uh, behind uh, his wife, Aretha, in the meetings. And there was a whole row of Armstrongs which was also interesting. I found out there were other Armstrongs that supported Brother Hagen, And uh, a uh, was it spring Bible seminar started, which was a prayer seminar, right as I got there. In fact, I think that's what I came for, because I went right into the meetings. And it was it was one, first or second day, and uh, a total stranger walked up to me, carrying a stack of cassette tapes. Man, I don't know about you guys if you remember tapes, but they were just like, mm. oh, glory to God, the word, you could record it, you could keep it, amen, and uh, this, this guy just drops these tapes on me and says, the Lord told me to bring these tonight, and he would show me who to give them to, and I saw you, and I knew it was you, these, these are for you from heaven, God wants you to listen to these, and he lectured me, I mean, he did. You know, I I wish to, and maybe in, when I'm in heaven, maybe I'll give him the, maybe I'll be able to give him a big hug. That'd be great. Maybe he'll hear me preach about it. He'll come up and say that was me. That'd also be cool. Because yeah. I took those tapes. I'm going I'm going to the prayer meeting. Get home late at night. Finally got a got an apartment real quick, and I put those tapes in, and I listened to them over and over and over again. I wore those things out. And they were all on Praying in Tongues by a guy named Dave Robertson. Now, he's online. You can get on there and get a lot of his stuff for free, and, and you're in sin if you don't. I highly recommend Dave Robertson, And he, he has a series on meditation that will teach you how to meditate. Meditation, imagery, and delivery. Every preacher should listen to meditation, imagery, and delivery. But he, he taught me about praying in tongues for releasing the miraculous. I've got this quote from John G. Lake. So I started praying in tongues without understanding why I was praying in tongues. I just knew that it was important. You see, you've got to get over the hump that it's controversial. There's, that's the beauty of speaking in other tongues is it so shocks the natural system. When you come out of that Methodist church as I did... And, sp- and you begin to speak in other tongues, you know you've, you're marked, you're weird, you're strange. You're on, you're on. In fact, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and, and was in the Methodist church, you're of the devil. That's, that's where, you know, it's not that way now typically, maybe in a few places. But to get filled with the Holy Ghost costs you something, even socially, depending on where, where you're coming from, Right? And uh, thank God for that, because I think that's important. I think you need to put your foot down and say, you know, I believe in the Holy Ghost. And uh, so I started speaking in tongues, and I saw in the Bible where Paul was expressing the fact, he was also from Tulsa, when he said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than y'all. He didn't say (laughs) you He didn't say you guys or you He said y'all. Amen. And I began to pray in tongues. Uh, Now, I already had a good push from my friend Gene Olin, because he sat me down and we prayed in tongues for six hours straight one time. And I'd understood that there's a river that will flow out of you. But I still didn't know the ABCs. I didn't know how to put it on a blackboard and explain what was happening when you speak in tongues and why it's so beneficial. Now, before because the lord took me a circuitous route through brother Hagin's office hold your hand in 1 Corinthians 2 and i want to i want to look forward a little bit in this sermon to 1 Corinthians 12 or 14 at just one portion of scripture here verse 13 it says wherefore let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret now he goes on to explain it a little bit more. He says, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I'll pray with the spirit. And I'll pray with the understanding also. I'll sing with the spirit. I'll sing with the understanding also. Now, back up to verse 13 again. Chapter 14 has so many translation mistakes, and I understand some people will look at me because I don't have a master's degree in Greek, etc., etc., etc. But you know what? I can gre- read Greek lexicons. I can read the Greek interlinears. I can cross-reference where it's used everywhere else. And I can also read other Greek experts. And this verse here, 13, has been translated inaccurately or incompletely, might be a better word, to our detriment. And it, and it gives us the mentality of saying... This is how most people interpret this verse. Whenever someone speaks in tongues, then you need to pray again, Lord, give me the interpretation. So that there's two distinct prayers going on here. One is the praying in tongues, and then there's a prayer for the interpretation. Let me give you the Dale Armstrong New International uh, Fire Passion Version rolled into one. And it's simple. Wherefore, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue... Pray with the intent to interpret. What I've found out by practice in life is that when you pray in tongues with the intent to interpret, you will. Most people don't understand or recognize it. The simplest way to step into this and to experience it is in a day of prayer. Lock yourself in a room. I double dog dare you and take an hour and pray in English without looking at your Bible or your list, what will happen is you will pray your mind empty. You'll pray for me, my wife, my children, us four and no more. You'll pray for Uncle Clarence. You'll pray for what you remember on the news. You'll pray until you can't think of anything else to pray for, and you're, you're basically on empty with English in your praying. Then, then shift over into tongues. And you spend 15 minutes, once your mind's empty, of what you're praying about. You pray for 15 minutes in tongues, and your mind will fill back up again. You ever see one of those little Brita filter pitchers for water? And you pour the water in it, and it just kind of trickles out at the bottom, filtered? You, know, you put all the water in and then it, just filter, and it just trickles in? When your mind is empty and you pray in tongues, it starts to trickle down a little bit and fill back up. It's the quickest and easiest way for a believer to experience tongues interpretation is in the prayer closet. Because you'll begin to pray in tongues for 15 minutes and all of a sudden you'll remember you forgot to pray for Sally. And you can say, where'd that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came out of your spirit. It came up by the spirit and it came into your understanding. Now, here's the point. Don't just walk away saying, I prayed in tongues and I'm happy. No, go on and pray for Sally. Never forget one time, I think Bob was there. He might not have been. I know Randy Ellsworth was there. I know a few others were there. We, were, we had we a had little minister group in, our, in, in my house. It was on Garden Street. And we were in the living room, and I said, let's just pray in tongues for a while. And we were walking back and forth, all of us, Bruce. And, and, and I know Bruce and, Ann, and, and Randy were there. You'll have to tell me if you were there. What's that? Rich, Rich might have been there. And we're just pacing back and forth, praying in tongues. And every once in a while, I'd pray out in English. Somebody else would pray out in English. And, 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 and I was doing exactly what I was talking to you about. I prayed out my English until I'd prayed out. Then I pray in tongues. My English just starts coming back up again. Then I pray out in English. And then that's empty. I'd pray in, the, in tongues a little bit more. And then English would come up. Just cycling through that process. That's what this verse is talking about. And then never forget it. I, my, I've prayed out my English. I'm praying in tongues. And, I, and, I, and it's filled up. And I just begin to pray out in, in, in English. Lord, heal radiance. I don't even remember what it was she had. Le- le- leukemia. Leukemia. Lord, heal the radiance from leukemia right now in the name of Jesus, with authority. I prayed for radiance, our worship leader, piano player, to be healed from leukemia. And I noticed that when I prayed that out in English, all the other guys in the room just stopped dead in their tracks. And Randy said to me, radiance has leukemia? I didn't know radiance had leukemia, and I stopped. Neither did I. Well, the next day we found out she was in the hospital and been di- diagnosed with leukemia. I'd already prayed it out in tongues and prayed for her to be healed before she was even diagnosed, before she even knew she had leukemia. pays to go to the right church. That's Paul Burkholder. Amen. So I know, man, I walked into that. Were you there, Bob? I don't know if you were there or not. You weren't there. I walked into Radiance's hospital room the next day or two after she'd been diagnosed with leukemia. I had a whole different posture to that situation. So good. But what is that? That's praying out of your spirit. Let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray with the intent to interpret. I, I Personally, I've never spoken out in tongues and then prayed, now, Lord, give me the interpretation, and it worked. Now, maybe it has for you never worked for me. But when I pray with the intent to interpret, well, well, then it comes. It, It flows. The problem in it as believers, we don't believe that's interpretation. But it comes into the understanding. You'll see that Paul juxtapositions it in verse 15. He says, I pray with my spirit. Well, then I pray with my understanding also. So as I pray in tongues, you see that come up into your understanding. You'll find in business that if you'll pray in tongues, that certain items in your business will come up you'd forgotten about. Write them down on your to-do list and go get them done. Your your understanding receives from your spirit. Your spirit communicates. Amen? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 2. Now, again, a little bit circuitous route. Let's go to Second 2 Timothy. I want to emphasize this. My faith rests in a very peaceful, quiet way now that I have a fuller understanding of how big God is. I love the good fight of faith. One reason it's a good fight of faith is because we win. You know, and I agree, I hate fighting a weak opponent. Who, you know, I mean, I remember my last year in high school football. I didn't want to play somebody's JV team. I I wanted to play the champions of the state, even if they creamed me. Right? You want, I like conflict. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David ran towards Goliath. But I also rest in the fact that doesn't matter how bad it gets, God saw the end from the beginning. No matter how big the temptation, test, or trial, there's a way of escape if I look for it. Because He's been here before. He's seen it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says, He has saved us. And called us with a holy calling. And it's not according to our works. You want to know why it's not according to your works? Because God already knew all about it before you were born. So how could your works have anything to do with it? <laughs> right? I mean, if God didn't know about it and you want to pull a surprise on God, then you could be a, attribute that to your works. But He knew all about it. Why? Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace Which was given us in Christ Jesus when we fasted 40 days, got rid of our jewelry, cut our hair, wore long dresses. And and if you're a woman, put your hair up in a bun and met all the expectations of what it takes to really truly be holy. But that's what people think. Now all this was done before the world began. Before the world began, He knew your name. Now, you know, if you're an astronomer, there's a whole nother realm. You know, before the world began, he knew when he slung all that out there and there was this rotating axis business going along a linear path that all these universes weren't going to collide. That in itself is probably actually bigger and more astonishing than the red blood cells in your bloodstream, if you want to talk about mathematics. I mean, God's expanse... Our finite brain cannot wrap itself around an infinite God. And He knew everything about you before the world began. Before He said, let there be light, and slung universes into existence, He knew everything about you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we can spend, and we probably will spend a large portion of eternity just contemplating that. How big God really is. And when you, when you jump off into that, there is a great rest in your faith. Because God's been here before. Smith Wigglesworth took all the bills that were due in paying the rent for some auditorium where he had a revival and he didn't have any money. And he just ripped them up and said, what do I care? It's not my business, it's God's. Well, God's the one who told me to have that revival. It wasn't my idea. He let him pay for it. And He did. <laughs> God paid for it. I love, I love the story that, I, that illustrates it best for me. Uh, uh, again, it's another Gene Olin story. When he, he was working with CBN, and he's an intercessor, and he, he took a, two women with him on a missions trip to Romania to do intercession among several of the churches where they were ha- holding different meetings. So there was an intercession team, him and these two ladies, and they they went to where the designated places of ministry were and they were they were interceding they're on their face they took their work seriously that's what he that's what he does and and uh, it got to the end of that period of time and you know you know your mission's trip is coming to an end when you run out of money and they had enough money to buy a train ticket in Romania back back to the the, the main capital where the plane was or airport was and fly back to europe and then hop back to the usa so he he went down to he had to go down to the train station to buy three train tickets one for him one two for the other ladies then to go you know to the capital and then take the plane but he's in line in the queue to buy three train tickets and the spirit of the lord comes on him and says you know don't go east to bucharest go west further into romania but I only have so much money. And I'm going to take two women west and then run out of money? I don't know, I'm don't not really sure, Lord, they're going to appreciate that. And the Lord said, don't buy a ticket to Bucharest, which is to the east. Go west. So Gene goes up to the queue and buys three tickets west. And now he doesn't have any money. Now, there's a couple things here that I... I think I can draw your attention to, and maybe sometimes people, I just make assumptions that people realize it. You know, you're you're releasing faith when you do that. You're also just simply obeying when you do that. I think sometimes in our word of faith circles, we forget that part of obedience. We just want to focus on the confession unto and, and build our faith. You know, when you're in the plan of God, that's why he challenges us. We have to submit to his wisdom, his plan. See what Gene's really doing is saying before the beginning of time, God had a road for me, and I'm going to submit to that road. And, and and you know, it's sort of like God spoke to Elijah and said, Go to the brook Cherith, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. Well, what if Elijah said, you know, I don't the brook, that, that's just small, it's gonna dry up anyway. I want to go over to the the river. Who wants to drink from a brook? I'm going to go over to the river. Well, you can go over to the river and starve because there aren't no ravens showing up to give you food. Right? And you can, you can, you can use your faith till you're blue in the face. And you can say, why isn't my faith working? Well, that's because you're not in obedience. Right? And see, so you get... Sometimes us Word of Faith people, we get so focused on that faith issue, we forget the obedience issue and we're trying to use our faith when we're not at the brook and the ravens don't show up and we wonder what's wrong with our faith well, not, there's nothing wrong with your faith you're just stupid the spirit of normal haze has come upon me but it's true so Gene goes back to the ladies and explains that God has spoken and we're not going to the airport and by the way we're out of money but we got three tickets west they didn't like it but what are they going to do so they got on the train and they're going west. They don't even know where they're going and they don't have any money. And, and it was a sleeper car. It was all night long. They get up in the morning and Gene's a good Boy Scout, so he cleans up so it should be better, leaves it better than when he found it. And he looks underneath the train seat where he was sleeping. You know, you fold your bed up and everything. He looks under the seat to clean all the garbage up and throw it away. And he looks under, and in the corner, there is a brown paper bag balled up. And it's been there a long time because it's covered with cobwebs. So he takes a pen and he reaches back there and he gets that thing and he pulls it out because he's going to throw it away. And he picks it up because it's been there a long time and it's icky. And he walks it out into the, 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 where the trash is out in the hall of the train. And he's going to throw it away and he gets curious. And he takes it and he peeks inside. And inside are nine crisp, fresh, American $100 bills I'm wondering if there's a miracle under your seat well there is if you're in the flow of God I told, I told him one day I'm going to do that I've preached that all over Russia and all them Russians they've gotten up and picked the chair up one day I'm going to do that. That'll be a, yeah. Anyway, it's kind of fixed. You, Terry never looks. <laughs> oh, you're married to me. Yeah, well. Thank you, honey. So to me, that just exemplifies the fact that before, now think about it, before the beginning of time, God knew his servant was going to be there, his servant was going to need money his servant was going to be on a train his servant was going to be in that car in that seat let's put the bag there god can do that amen now you could have just passed that miracle by and said no you know i got to get these ladies back to the airport we got to get back to america never would have seen the hand of god and would have missed the flow of god's purposes and I think we all understand it actually it could have been pretty easy for that to happen. And if we're honest, I wonder how many times I've gone to the airport and I didn't take the plunge and get into the flow of God. Right? But from the beginning of time, God knew. God knows where you need to be and He, he prepared ahead of time. Let me say it another way. Before your biggest problem existed, God had eternity to think about how to fix it. You were happy last week, but now you have a problem this week, and, it, and it's caught you by surprise in three or four quick short days, but God's known about it for eternity. Do you understand what I'm talking about? How your faith can rest. I know my Lord's been here. The other analogy that helped me or example that helped me was one time I was driving into Washington, D.C. to preach for Matthew Allender in a house group. He used to live in a discipleship house three blocks from the Capitol. And it was a great place. It was full of young interns uh, and, and university students and all guys. There's like nine or ten of them. And they'd have Bible study together. And I'd come down and teach them. But the one thing about, I learned about D.C., is the parking's just horrible. And to try to park in that area, you know, you might as well park, you know, a mile and a half away and walk on most occasions. So I got into the habit, you know, I'd get out on the outer ring of DC and I'd start praying, "Lord, I need a parking spot." And I had a couple victories, which was exciting to me that God cares about parking spots, right? And I'm driving down there this one time, and I I don't know why I forgot to pray. All of a sudden, I'm a block away, I'm, and I hit a red light, I literally am about a half a block away because I'm going to turn right, and I'm going to be right where his house is. And I realized, oh man, I forgot to pray. "Lord, quick! I need a parking spot!" And then it hit me. Quick? He's had an eternity. I got 30 seconds. He's had an eternity. I just started laughing. I mean, it just hit me so funny because I'm distraught. I'm out of sorts. Oh, Lord, quick, I need a miracle. And it ain't no quick to him. And I turned right and I drove out in front of Matt's house and a car pulled out right in front of me and I just pulled right into him and I am looking at Matt's door. And I'm sitting there saying, for the beginning of the world, he knew I needed a parking spot. Now, sometimes I don't tell the rest of the story on that one. Because again, remember what I said earlier, I think it was even on Monday. You don't just walk on water to play with the gifts. I sat there because I was early. And I worshiped the Lord, and because I was right there, one of the members of the house came walking up. He he was the first one. It was locked. I knew it was locked. He came from work early and I watched him come up the sidewalk and I knew who he was I started praying for him when I could see him about 30 yards away and as he got closer I saw he was weeping and I got out of the car and I ministered to him and we went into the apartment or the house ministered to him prayed with him cast the devil out of him got him set free and he's still free today so I mean there's See, it's not according to your works. What is it? His purpose. I asked him for a reason. It's his favorite word. Purpose. See, there's purpose in what you do. There's purpose. And there was a purpose in that parking spot. And I know some of the classical denominations, they just freak out to think you prayed for a parking spot. See, I believe my parking spots have purpose. I believe the way my dog barks has purpose. I mean, I'm watching how the wind blows the waves of grass because God's moving. You can think me funny if you want, but just God is bigger than you. Yes, there's no coincidences in the kingdom of God. There's meaning. There's, there's a collision of purpose. So if you, if you can at least concede to the fact that God knew about your life before you were even born, now we can go to 1 Corinthians 2. I mean, there, did you know there's a book written? You can go to the book of Psalms and find out about it. There's a book written. Your, your life isn't a book that's going to be written. Your life is in a book. Glory to God. And God was looking at his book. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Amen. Thank you. And, uh, you know, God, God was looking at that book in, in, the, in the Larry Mills chapter, and he thought, it's short a few pages. I better give him 30 more years. Amen. There is, there is the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Let's start in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Larry turned me on to a new translation called the Passion Translation. And uh, it's a translation that brings in the Aramaic manuscripts as well. And I never knew this. I was so excited. Larry, I'd kiss your hand for this. The word testimony here in the Aramaic is mysteries, which is important because that word mysteries is used throughout the Pauline thought in this chapter, in chapter 4, and then once again in chapter 14. And when you use the same word that's not just one word but a concept, and you carry that concept from step to step, it helps you with your understanding. And Paul immediately introduces this word mystery. So hold on to that word, we're going to talk about it. He said, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what I'm focused on. There's a reason. Because in Corinth, as in, <clears throat> as in Athens and in other places, intellectual pursuits and all of the, 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 the learning of the day uh, drowns out the, the voice of the gospel. And everybody wants to talk about other. Th- but Paul was saying, no, we're going to talk about Jesus and we're going to talk about the crucifixion. And he said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. And that's this I always took great increment from when I was a young preacher, because I might, might tremble, I might not be the best speaker. Raise the dead. People don't care if you can preach a sermon if you can raise the dead. Well, he can't preach real good, but he sure does raise the dead. across the street to hear him teach but man i saw him cast out that devil whoo amen and that and the and the point is is that there should be a demonstration of the spirit and of that your faith and in the wisdom of men but in the power of god really what paul is trying to say here is have a gospel that at least that works one time he said it he said if someone came to me could prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no gospel doesn't work I still wouldn't because it's working for me is there anything that's better than that I mean this work can follow Harry Potter but it ain't gonna work for you you can learn the incantations, but you still fly around in a motorcycle with a big werewolf or whatever (laughs) that were but this works and you preach a gospel that works amen then Verse says, How be it? Now that's pretty simple. It's an old English word, but just break it into three parts. How be it? I mean, it, it, it's pretty simple, right? All it's saying is, How's all this work? How does it work? How do you have a demonstration of the Spirit? How do you make sure that your faith is standing on the power of God? How be it? Among them that are perfect or better, we're. Yet the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world, mnemonic powers, that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. There's the word again. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now, this word mystery is a bit different than secret. Because seek something that's not known. I, I know something you don't know. That's a secret. But if Alan and I both know something that other people don't know, and it's exclusive to our group because it, it, it belongs to our That's a, and, and it two scientists can sit at a table and I sit with them and I don't understand what they're talking about, that's a mystery. It's not a secret. They just have vocabulary and terminology and concepts that... Whoosh, i'm lost right and 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 people say well that's even a cult well yeah that is a cult because they're talking languages i don't i don't understand well we we as believers we have vocabulary other people don't understand it's like the one you know christian comedian you know he came into the church you know never been to church before and and the pastor said man the holy ghost fell last night and the fellow's thinking man i hope he didn't get hurt I mean, our vocabulary leaves a lot to be desired, right? You got to get in in, introduced. You you got to learn a few things. Well, Paul is saying we're speaking the wisdom of God in a mystery, and it's a hidden wisdom. People have asked me, "How come I don't know the will of God for my life?" Because it's hidden, dum dum. It's hidden, and it's hidden for you, not from you. He said, he said, as we read on, it was ordained before the world under our glory or our benefit. So before the world began, God has this wisdom about your life and all the details of your life, intricate details of your life. And then he hid that not from you, but for you. Why? Because other people will try to mess it up. Notice as he goes on, he said, Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So he's giving one example of God's wisdom and and, and the fact that God had to hide this wisdom. And that is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. People say, well, it's horrible. The disciples didn't understand it. They were so stupid. No, 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 no. Isaiah, God even planned to make sure their ears were dull of hearing and their eyes they would not see. The most important thing was that the devil didn't figure it out. And the devil promoted everything to move in that one direction and pilot. And all the while, God's plan was rolling, not the devil's plan. Which tells me that even in the darkest hour, when things get the worst on me, I know God knows something I don't know. It's not a mystery to God. It's a mystery to me. Some things may be hidden from me, but they're not. they're hidden for me. And I know that it's not the end. And I know that the enemy's not going to win because God's been here before me. And just as he crucified Jesus and he thought that that was the end, it was actually the victory. And that's why some of the biggest mistakes I've made have been the most beneficial. I, I have seen dumb mistakes I've made turn out to be prosperous. I've heard tell about mistakes where you have to sand all the finish off the floor turning into profit. And the things you do by mistake, God just snickers and says, "Huh." <laughs> forgot about that one. I, I planned that one like 16 zillion years ago. Amen. Let's read on. Verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Now listen, let's just, let's just pause for a minute because I know there's a lot to take in and, and it sometimes blows the fuses of your mind. But let's back up a little bit. So, so, so God, before the beginning of the world, knew all about you. That's called His wisdom. He knew where you were going to be born. He knew how you were going to be raised. He knew what troubles you were going to go through. He knew your, your physical challenges. He knew everything about you, right? And He took this wisdom about your life and He hid it. In a minute, I'm going to tell you where He hid it. He didn't stuff it under the throne. He didn't put it in a safety deposit box, but he hid this wisdom somewhere, not from you, but for you. Because he didn't want the devil to read it before you got to read it. And he didn't want the devil to thwart it or to to get involved in it at all. So he encrypted it. We could safely say that, right? Yeah. I think we need to get into the technology age of our, of our vocabulary. I loved a billboard I saw that said, it said, uh, believe on Jesus and he'll delete your sins. And, and I thought, yeah. Yeah, amen. I think maybe he'll format my hard drive and renew my mind. He'll upgrade my operating system. Amen glory to God and, and, and uh, so so God hid this wisdom so the devil couldn't get it and, and, and then he goes right on and say look eye hasn't seen it ear hasn't heard it so what's he saying this wisdom you're not going to tap into the wisdom of God for your life through the eyes you're not going to read a book and find it you're not going to see it you're not going to get it through the ears it's not going to come to you through the ears. I don't mean to step on people's toes, but that, that tells me God wants to give it to me personally, not through a prophetic utterance. Come on. I pray. I'm not against prophetic utterances, but generally, generally, you know, and I'm not going to hold fast to a rule because God's, God broke out of a box a long time ago, but uh, generally He's not going to lead me with personal prophecy because He wants the intimacy. So do I. Amen? I remember when I did go to Tulsa. Uh, you go to Rhema and you have one year of general studies and then you pick, at that time, then you would pick a specialty. And usually, you know, you would pick pastoring or teaching or missions or, or then there's the MRS degree. <laughs> one person in the whole room got that joke. That's really sad. Well, I hate to say it, but I was 19, and I go into the, the, the Raymond Bible Training Center, and I start going into the classes, and I'm thinking, maybe my wife's in this room. So you start looking. This is a true story, too. It's embarrassing. I'm sorry, honey. Uh, it, was, it was a long time ago. Yeah, was like, was we weren't married. <laughs> Except we were boyfriend, girlfriend, yeah. So, so I see this girl in the choir, and I thought, well, she's pretty. I'd like to talk to her. She might make a good wife. She's a Raymond. You know how your mind works. I might be exaggerating a little bit. But then working as a working for a photography company, and, and people would call in because they won this sweepstakes thing, and then you'd set a meeting, you'd go to their apartment, you'd, you'd pitch them this sales thing. It was a horrible job. Two or three days later, I go knock on the door of the girl from the choir. Well, this must be good. Right? No. <laughs> well, you better believe no. You ain't going to find. <laughs> oh, yeah. Taught me a big lesson. You're not going to find your wife through the eye gate. It's, it doesn't come to you through the eyes. Thank God. doesn't come through the ears. What do, how, does that, how does that wisdom come? It enters into the heart. I hasn't seen neither have entered into the heart prepared for them that love him. So what is this wisdom called? Things that God has prepared. So God's prepared things. God prepared Terry for me. Well, she's she is a little bit older than me, so maybe he prepared me for her. Maybe it's irrelevant because he knew both of us before the beginning of time. I know God sent her to Ramah for 2 years so she could tolerate me. <laughs> Amen. Tolerate, <your> <laughs> tolerate my ministry. So God has prepared things. Come on people, you got to get a little bit more excited about this. God has prepared things for you. All right, sit. Uh, 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 Jay, that whole floor deal was prepared. You were set up. Before the beginning of time. See, for you, it was between the time you went from the truck and you walked in and you looked at the samples and the woman was making a decision. But that wasn't when God made it happen. See, that's where your faith can rest in this Awesome comprehension of an awesome God. He's prepared things for you. He's prepared houses for you. Where you should live. I believe He's prepared the right car for you to drive that won't break down. He's prepared the right pet. He prepared the right bird. He's prepared the right German shepherd. Amen. Amen. I firmly believe that. I sit down and look at the plate and think God has prepared the best steak for me. Amen. Some people used—I—I I, listen to people. They always go to the restaurant, and I'd sit with them, and they'd complain. Didn't matter. There's going to be something that they'd complain about. And they said, "Why don't you complain about stuff? Because they always give me the best. I'm always happy." Number one, I learned how to order. I don't order coffee. I always order. I would like a cup of hot black coffee. Thank you. I don't want lukewarm coffee. I I order it. I get it. It's prepared for me. Oh, you think God knows about your coffee? Before the beginning of time. But see, if your faith doesn't tap into it, and if you're not in the purpose, the flow, that channel, that place, if you're not at the brook, then, then you're, forget your faith. It ain't going to work anyway. Oh, Lord, why don't you feed me? Why don't you get back to the brook? I mean, when you're at the brook, your faith just flourishes. It's easy. Easy peasy. Is that a word? So there are things which God has prepared for them that love him. What are those things? I'll tell you what they are. They're sermons. Well, i got to prepare a sermon. I don't. I prepare myself. I'm a student. Don't get wrong. I'm not talking about being lazy. There's no excuse for laziness. I get full of the Word of God. But when I pray in tongues, I get the sermon for the day, for the moment, for the... It's like I, I... The only way I know how to explain it is anybody can shoot a bow and arrow, but not everybody can hit the target. But there is a sermon that will hit the target. I'm talking to ministers now. You know, and you think, well, I'll do this series. All right, if the Lord tells you to do that series. I mean, if the Holy Ghost isn't in superintendence to that, well, you're just not going to see the power of God or the demonstration that He's talking about. In other words, for every sermon you preach, there's a demonstration because God prepared something for that moment and in that hour. Remember, I flew to Andorra, and uh, we had just been involved with Stephen Horning. He started a church there, and he hadn't made it official. He had a house group, a little prayer group, but he wanted me to preach the first service to start the church that's been an honor I've had a lot of guys do that for me I can't I, you know some people would count that up and say well I've started this many churches well I didn't start that church in Andorra I showed up and he let me preach one service you know and uh... so I get there and because a combination of I want to pray and I'm jet-lagged I prayed all night before the service and uh... most of it was jet-lagged but I'm up you know so I'm gonna pray And in the morning, there's going to be four or five believers, and I'm going to preach the first service to inaugurate a new church. So your mind generally goes in a certain direction of what kind of service this is going to be, what kind of message, you know, maybe on foundations, maybe on the lordship of Jesus, you know, and you're going through all this. And I'm praying in tongues, and I keep getting the Scripture of where the woman comes to Jesus and says, "'Cast the devil out of my daughter.'" To start a church. And I don't like that sermon. That is not a church starting sermon. And so I push it aside. That's why it took all night. Because I'm stupid. I could have I just resigned myself to obey the Lord and had a nice night's sleep. But instead I fight it. And so by the morning God has finally worn me out to where I'll obey him. And I'm going to start a new church by preaching about Jesus casting the devil out of a woman's daughter, you know, and crumbs from the table and all this stuff. And I feel stupid. And I sit there, and and people start coming in. There's three or four. And then all of a sudden, there's a knock at the apartment door, and a woman comes in. Never forget it. As she came in, she was you could tell she was trying to hold her emotions in check well they greeted her they're you know the spanish culture they're real warm you know and uh, como esta mucho gusto and they're kissing everybody and smacks mm, and all that good stuff and and they bring her in and and we're sitting in a circle and she's she's trying to keep herself in check and i open up the scriptures and i read the scripture about the woman you know cast the devil out of my daughter I'm just reading the script. And the woman goes, ah! That's, That was the whole sermon. Because <laughs> she then starts to tell about her demon-possessed daughter who for three days has been chasing her around with a knife, almost killed her. She finally got the knife away from her. She's speaking with a man's voice. She locked her up in a closet in their apartment, and she's pulling her hair out. She doesn't know what to do. She knows it's demonic. She knows it's a power that's not from this world. She's she's just beside herself. She's crying at the table in the kitchen. She looks down. There's a newspaper with an ad for for the new church, and in it, was one of the words was deliverance. And she just, she looks at her clock, her watch, and she gets up and she runs so she won't be late. She went from her kitchen table, reading the ad, to the church service, sits down, and the first thing out of my mouth is this woman says, cast the devil out of my daughter. Now, I could have preached on the foundations of God, which would have been biblical, which would have blessed people, which would have built faith, just wouldn't have been right. And I wonder how many times I have preached the wrong sermon. I wonder how many times I got on the wrong train. I wonder how many times I sat in the wrong seat. I wonder how many times I passed my miracle by. How, how How do you get to the place where you don't pass your miracle by? I am so glad you asked me that. Verse 10. But God... Reveals them to us by his spirit. Reveals what? The things that he has prepared for them that love him. But what are the things that he's prepared for them that love him? This wisdom, this hidden wisdom, that was hidden for you, not from you, is what he prepared for you, and it is hidden. But He wants to reveal it, but it's not going to come through the eyes. It's not going to come through the ears. It's not going to come through experience. But He reveals them to us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him, Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. See, we only know a fraction about one another. I've lived with Terry 36 years. She still surprises me. I know a lot about her. Don't get me wrong. And I love that. I love that I can go to a restaurant and order for her because I know what she'll eat. I don't because that's courtesy. But I still can look at the menu and I know what she's going to get before she orders it. And I hit, I'm batting a thousand. Why? Because I know her. But I know there's things I don't know. Why? Because there's the spirit in man. In the same way he says, the with God. There's something about the deep things of God. Now, now let's look at the verse 12. Now we've received, not the spirit of the world... But the Spirit which is of God. Why did you receive the Spirit of God? A lot of people say, well, I, I received the Spirit of God to be born again. I received the Spirit of God to have power, to witness. Well, what does Paul say? We receive the Spirit of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. By the way, I like that word free. I looked it up in the Greek. Did an exhaustive study of this word in the Greek, and it was amazing what I found out. It means free. (laughs) Amen. So there are things that God wants to freely give us. What things does God want to freely give us? Well, they're the things that He's prepared for them that love Him. What are the things that are prepared for them that love him? The wisdom before the beginning of time that he knew all about your life and he knew where you were going to have to park in order to be there for the Bible study so you could meet the guy on the sidewalk and get him delivered. So the things that were prepared before the beginning of time for you, because he loves you, he's in love with you, so he put $900 under the seat because he knew it would be hard for you to say, I'm not going to the capital, I'm going to go out where I'm afraid, I'm going to go out where I don't have any money, but I want to obey my Savior, I want to obey my Master. And you get there, and there's $900. And, and why do we receive the Holy Ghost? So that we would know the things that are freely given to us of God. So I pray in Andorra, and I find out there was something that he freely prepared, a sermon. I study for sermons. I'm not lazy. But the best sermons I've ever had, God gave to me. I remember one time Bob was with me, and we were in the basement in Titusville, Pennsylvania, down in that dungeon children's ministry. We used to pray down there. You remember that? And I never experienced it before in my life. It was the first time God gave me a sermon. I'm talking beginning to end. I saw the whole thing. I mean, it was in me. I would not need an outline. It, boom, it's like something so solid I could regurgitate it and put it on the shelf. I was praying, pacing back and forth, praying in tongues. I had no idea what to preach. And all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. I had three sermons I'd never heard of, never read about, never seen. They're my sermons. They were gifts from the Heavenly Father. Prepared. Who? But really, in this case, they're not prepared for me. They're just prepared for me to deliver. It's just hot pizza, and I'm the Domino's pizza boy. Somebody else gets to eat it. That's a good one, baby. And I'll eat a few slices of the same pizza myself, believe me. So we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God that we might freely, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Verse 13, which things also we speak. Now, this is where it gets fun. What things do we speak? You have to speak out the things that are freely given to you of God. You have to speak out the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. You have to speak out the wisdom that was hidden, not from you, but for you in, since the beginning of time. You have to speak out these mysteries that are billions of years old. But you have to speak them out. How do you speak out something you don't know? You ha- which things also we speak? Not in words which man's wisdom teaches. But which the Holy Ghost teaches. Now I can learn to speak through man's wisdom. I've, I, you know, you can learn to speak another language. You can learn to say words. That, that were foreign to you once, but now have meaning. You can even learn to say words that are hard to say, hard to pronounce, and people will laugh at you, but you can practice it until they stop laughing. It's like the Russian word for hello. Здравствуйте. It's like the hardest word in the world. They know you're a foreigner. But God's brought me to a place where they don't know I'm a foreigner. It feels good. How would I get that? By saying Zdrasvitja like nine million times and having people laugh at me eight million nine hundred and seventy three times. Man's wisdom, right? Repetition, hearing, repetition, hearing. I remember sitting in a pastor's apartment and his little six or seven year old girl gets in my lap with her little, what's the name of that little bear? Bear book. You open it and it's a little bear and he's in the house and all the, all, Hmm? No, 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 and every, everything like the, the mirror has the word mirror on it, and car has the word car. Everything in the whole, hmm, Burstock's Ber, Bears or something like Bernstein's Bears, they have it in Russian. So you open it up, and all the pieces, you know, like, like shower and wallpaper, they're all in Russian. And she's pointing at, you know, at it, and I'm saying the Russian word, and then she's grabbing my mouth and moving it around because I'm saying it wrong. And, and, and finally, she jumps off my lap and runs to the pastor and says, and they, they all start laughing, and then they translate it. They all, she runs to him and says, Daddy, he can't be a pastor. He's too stupid. <laughs> yeah, well, with Russian, I was too stupid. I couldn't say any of them words. Man's wisdom will only teach you repetition, right? But these words that you're going to speak don't come through man's wisdom. They're words which the Holy Ghost teaches. Now, I only know one word, one, one vocabulary that the Holy Ghost teaches. I, don't, I know with you, I don't have to belabor this. You have to belabor it with some theologians. And as you go through the next three verses, just trust me, maybe tomorrow we'll take the time. I can incontrovertibly prove to you that this is referring to speaking with other tongues. There is a vocabulary. There is a language of the Spirit. And when you speak in tongues, you're speaking out of your spirit in a language that the Holy Ghost taught you. Now here's what's taking place. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14. By the way, I'm going to go long on my message. I'm sorry, Bob. Uh, But it's the Lord's uh, commandment that you love me. And I'm sorry... Levi and Andrea, we're going to pray for you. But it's going to take you another 10 or 15 minutes before you leave. You're going to go, you're going to, you got to leave, right? No, you don't have to leave. Oh, eventually. All right. Will you give me five or 10 or 15 minutes? It's all right. Okay. We love you guys. First Corinthians 14. Let's, let's look here. Verse two, he that speaks in an unknown tongue Speaks not unto man, but unto God. For no man understands him. Somebody says, well, you know, uh, without an interpreter, you shouldn't speak. Well, nobody understands it. Somebody says, well, I think if it's not in a foreign language, that's not really speaking in tongues. Is really speaking in a foreign language. Well, then there would be a man who understands it. Remember, I was in the Methodist church. My pastor stood up and said when he was in seminary. Uh, a whole bunch of the uh, professors that spoke multiple languages they had half a dozen or maybe even a dozen languages amongst them they went to a Pentecostal church to see if they could hear any foreign languages and they came back and said no we didn't hear any foreign languages we didn't even hear anything that sounded like a foreign language and I'm sitting there my Methodist pastor saying this and I interrupted him it was a smaller group Marshall Snyder was his name and I said hey Marshall Marshall wait wait Marshall Pastor Pastor Marshall what is it Dale what, what language do angels speak? It's 1 Corinthians 13. Paul said, if I speak with the tongues of men or of angels. So speaking in tongues is just an angelic dialect. I don't, I don't care how wise you are or how many languages you've learned. I don't know, do they teach angel at your college? <laughs> right? No man understands him. So let's just get rid of some of that dross. This, this false opinion about speaking in tongues. Well, if you're speaking in tongues, it's a foreign language. Well, it could be. It could be. But it doesn't have to be, or it could be an angel's language. I don't know how many angels, maybe angels got more than one language. I, I mean, I don't know. But one thing I know is this type of speaking in tongues, no man understands him. All right? But, or how be it, In the Spirit, He speaks, what? Now, it's the same word, same book, 1 Corinthians, same author, Paul. He's used this same word in reference to God's wisdom before the beginning of time. What was that wisdom before the beginning of time? The plan of God for your life, that He hid, not from you, but for you. And what was in that plan? all the things that he's prepared for you these good things he's prepared for you what 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 are these things that he's prepared for you all the things that he he freely wants to give to you freely again don't forget that word freely it's a great greek study it's free there's free things free take one only with god it's like free take them all amen and 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 so he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks In His Spirit, mysteries. When you speak in tongues, you are praying out the wisdom of the plan of God for your life that He prepared for you to walk in, the presence He prepared for you to unwrap, the sermons He prepared for you to preach. You're praying out the wife He prepared for you to marry. You're praying out the business He prepared for you to run. You're praying out the finish that he he wants you to put on the wood to make the woman happy so she gives you another job in Florida, you're praying it out. And no man understands it. Why? Because it's none of their business. Why does no man understand it? Because if they could have understood it, they would have stopped Jesus from being crucified. The whole point is it's secret. But it's not hidden from you, it's hidden for you. And the more you pray that out, I have found the more coincidences I have. It's amazing. I realize they're not miracles. They're just coincidences. I understand that. But the more I pray in tongue, the more more coincidences I have. (laughs) And I love it. I love it. But isn't it good to study? I got to preach somewhere, and I've never been there. I don't know what level of maturity they're at. I I don't know if they'll understand even the terminology I use. But I'll pray in tongues, and I'll get before the Lord, and and and, and something starts to crystallize, and starts to just—I can't even communicate it because no man understands it. But it just starts to float up, and I get a piece of it. Maybe maybe it'll just be a, a verse, or maybe it'll be a phrase. Maybe it'll just be an image. But I get that little piece of it, and I keep praying, and it comes into focus. It gets larger. It gets bigger. And then all of a sudden, I got a sermon. People say, well, how do you do that? It's easy. You just pray in tongues. Why? Because before the beginning of the world, God knew I'd be in front of that group of people, and that there would be specific people in that congregation who were crying out to him and using their faith. And they needed that answer. And, 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 it, and it would be there. I think I told Larry and Kay this, but maybe not. I was in Washington, D.C. and uh, ministering in that same little house group. And, and really blessed because at the same time, Lester Summerall was going to be preaching at a, at a church of a friend, a friend of mine. Same black church I talked about where I gave the tongue with interpretation. They became our friends. They came up and did a marriage seminar and, and uh, preached for us. And I went back and preached for them again and, and, and so on and so forth. So he's having Lester Sumrall come in. So I'm, I'm, I'm teaching in this little house group. And then uh, in the evenings, Lester Summerall. So I'm excited. I'm actually in the discipleship house. And I get a phone call from Kay. And I don't. I, I don't. It's been so long ago. Basically, the phone call was, "Please pray. There's an emergency. We got kicked out of Bulgaria, and 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 Larry went back, and I don't know where he is. Somehow he went, got back into Bulgaria. I, I'm thinking I'm portraying it fairly accurate. Yes, yes. Anyway, so Kay reached out to me, and you know, to pray. So I'm praying. And I go right from there into the uh, church service, and which was fun because I go to the green room, got to meet Lester and sit with him. He had his grandson with him, this orange-haired, red-headed, carrot-top young man. And, and uh, Lester always scared me. Uh, you talking about honesty? I mean, I'm standing there with three or four other pastors and his grandson. He said, I want you all to meet my grandson. He's anointed. I have three sons. None of them are anointed. There's not a lick of anointing on any of them, but my grandson's anointed. And I'm like, wow, so that's, I guess that's honest. And uh, so we go from there into the sanctuary. And I'm sitting on the front row next to the pastor, and Lester gets up to preach, you know, how he is. 30 minutes, man, he's done. It's, it's interesting. I mean, he, he had his sermon so it could go out on television. He'd preach for 30 minutes, and that's all you got. And he was, and he, preaches, he always had those little syllabuses. He's preaching this stuff. He's probably preached it 10,000 times, but it's still good. I guess Domino Pizza's still in the Domino box, right? And he's, and he's preaching on faith, and it, which is good because I like faith. And he's preaching on faith. I heard a great faith message last night. He's preaching on faith. And all of a sudden, did I ever tell you this? I don't think I did. Story, an Armstrong story you never heard. So Lester's behind the pulpit. I'm, I'm, I'm right about where Pat's at, and only it's down because there's, it's his big church. And he's preaching on faith, and he's, he's getting into it probably about halfway through his sermon, and he stops. Did I ever tell you I have favor with the government of Bulgaria? And like Paul said in Hebrews, and he just went on preaching faith. And I'm sitting there, I have no idea what it was looking right or left, but that's just about exactly what he did. I'm sitting there, and I turn to the pastor, and I said, Did he say Bulgaria? And the pastor looks at me and says, Yeah, what was that? <laughs> I mean, it was weird. It was weird. And he goes on preaching. So then after the service, so I never told you that. After the service, I go into the green room again, and there's some refreshments and stuff. And, you know, everyone's got their chance to chit-chat with Lester, and everyone's talking. It was a great sermon and having a good time. So I finally got the courage up to walk up to him. took me a while. And I said, "Uh, Brother Sumrall, you said you got favor in the government of Bulgaria? Yeah, what about it? I mean, it's like, I'm not the one that brought it up. You know, you did. I, was, I mean, it took me aback, his reaction. I said, well, uh, uh, just before the service, I have a phone call from the wife of a missionary in Bulgaria, and they're running into some trouble. They got kicked out of the country. I don't know what he did wrong. <laughs> I said, uh, well, I'll vouch for them. I, I believe they're good people. You know, serving the Lord, preaching. I'll vouch for him. That's exactly what I said. I'll vouch for him. He said, oh. Well, talk to my assistant. He'll give you a phone number and rattled off some woman's name. And uh, you call her. All right. I called her and put in a request, you know. Never heard back from him. And that's when I started scratching my head saying, what's going on? And somewhere in all that, I'm just going to tell you right now, and I apologize. Somewhere in all that, I missed it in praying it out. I either got on the wrong train or I sat in the wrong chair. I got close. You ever get close to your miracle? Or get half your healing? Or get half your financial miracle? Or get your financial miracle and lose it? Anybody in here? Y'all gone home. It's not always a faith issue. Sometimes it's a geography issue It's a relational issue It's a submission issue It's a wisdom issue See that's where the devil gets in We call it spiritual warfare And he clouds up things He clouds up people's understanding He puts a wrench in the works And things go wrong That's why God wants it secret There there are certain elements there I'm the first one to tell you I don't understand I have seen both victories and defeats. But that doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. I know the victories this way. And I'm going to keep going. Some people like to major on the defeats. And they want to study the defeats. I want to major on the victories and study the victories. Especially in healing. Well, we want to, we want to remember that Uncle Floyd was, was a believer all of his life. And he died young. Well, why do you want to study the defeats? I'm sorry, I don't know Uncle Floyd, and and I'm sure he was a great man, and I want to be compassionate, but I'm not going to study Uncle Floyd. I'm going to to study Alice, who who grew up with, with some disease. She believed God, and she was healed. So you can focus on the negative, or you can focus on the positive. You can major on those that didn't receive, or you can major on those who did receive. And when you're praying in the Spirit, you don't get it all. And I'm just telling you that. Paul said you're going to see through a glass darkly. And I firmly believe that that's what he's talking about. And I pray this out. And the more I pray it out, the better I get a glimpse of it. And sometimes I realize there's things I prayed out when I was a teenager that I thought we're for tomorrow, it's like you said last night, let's get this thing going. And it's been 40 years, man. But we're getting close. Pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. And pray with the intent to interpret. And I, I spend a lot of time praying in tongues now more than I ever did before. And I do. I see faces. You will see faces. You will see places. You will see street signs. You, you, you will, you will you'll get a revelation from the Word. I'll meet people and shake their hand and there's a flash of light. And I know it's not just because I shook hand and, and there was a flash of light. It's because there was prayer behind that. I don't know exactly when that prayer may have been. Pray in the Spirit and out of your spirit... You're going to be praying the plan of God for your life. Not mine. Not mine. You're praying the plan of God for your life. I believe the gifts of the Spirit are there. I I believe you pray that out and you get to the right place. The brook Cherith. You, You get in front of the right people. And, you know, you're following the man with the pitcher and you end up in the right room so you can have the last supper. I mean, these these things happen in Jesus' ministry like that. Have you ever followed a man with a pitcher to get to the right hotel? But those kinds of things are there. God has prepared your whole life ahead of you. So, I don't know which university to go to. Pray in tongues. Well, what's that going to do for me, Pastor. Just like you pace in the floor and you pray and you're out of English, you've been you've been looking at three different applications, wondering where you should go to, bio, to school, Bible school, or medical school, or wherever. And you and you got them all, man. Hold them. I'd hold them, and just pace back and forth until your brain's empty. Then pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. And it might be that you'll look at one, and you'll say, "Heh." Now you got two. Well, you made some progress, but you know in your spirit it ain't that one. It's the same way I figured out whether to get off at this exit or that exit. You pray with the intent to interpret. Sometimes it's not a voice. Sometimes it's not a big neon sign. Sometimes it's not a lot of words. It's an inward intuition. It's a hunch. It's, it's, it, his Spirit bears witness with our spirit. But you end up praying in tongues and all of a sudden you will say, well, it's really not the school I expected. But boy, I feel good in my spirit about this. And that feeling won't come sometimes until you spend a lot of time praying in tongues because you've got emotions, fears, financial stresses, your parents telling you where you ought to go, what you ought to do, your go- girlfriend going to the other university. You've got all this stuff pulling you, but you pray in tongues and you pray in tongues and all of a sudden that peace comes up, floats up in your spirit. You see, what did you do? You prayed in tongues with the intent to interpret and that is the interpretation and you look at that and you think yeah that's where I'm going now guess what you believe God for the money to pay for that university and it comes in easy other, y- y- your neighbor he's praying for God to give him the money to go to that other university where he shouldn't be going and he wonders why it's hard for the money to come he said well I got faith how come my faith ain't working because it's not a faith issue are you catching it? See, there's something about this big God we serve that if you get a glimpse of the fact that He knows everything about you before the beginning of time, faith, your faith can rest in that. And faith becomes easier than that. That's why when I lay hands on the sick, started this in Armenia actually, I'd lay hands on the sick, it's like, Lord, You know I was going to do this. Mm-hmm. See, this is going on on the inside. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? What do I need to say? How do I need to approach this? So well, why would you pray that? Well, because the Lord might tell me to spit on the ground, make a ball of clay, and stick it in her eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> like Norval Hayes would do. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to scare you, but when you get to heaven, Jesus might be a whole lot more like Norval Hayes than you realize. <laughs> Won't that freak you out? No. <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe the Lord will... Maybe if I pray in tongues... I'll say, now, now, now stick out your tongue. And i spit on her tongue. I've never done that yet. Jesus did. Now, you try to think of Jesus actually doing that. He spat on the man's tongue. Man, you're going to, Ted Koppel's going to do a documentary on you. Right? Or, or, you know, putting the blind, putting dirt in a blind man's eyes and then telling him to go wash. (laughs) Not only. (laughs) But the really the one that I, I mean, I had a laugh till, till it hurt was when I read in the scriptures where two blind men followed Jesus home. And I'm meditating on that. I fell into a fit of laughter. I'm trying to imagine two blind men. How did two bl- Have you ever had two blind men follow you? Was Jesus like going slow? this way. I- what were they following? Were they reading his tracks in, Braille? I don't know, but they got there, right? Levi, you want to bring your wife up here. Andrea, you want to come up here uh, uh, alone. How is this? We have a graduate of LTS. We're going to pray over several others either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, And uh, one of in Armada, the Lord dealt with me a long time ago about making Armada unique in in the way you enter. We don't uh, put a billboard up and make it easy. We we have a simple rule two existing members of armada need to vouch for you and uh, you get a letter of recommendation and then then that's the way you become an official member of armada as a minister of the gospel and another way is through the armada commission which is a dream God's given to Bill and I which I believe still is worthy of resurrection Amen. i've had some people talking to me bill it'll take him 5 seconds to be ready for that. Um, then also, I was approached by Kelly. Kelly's over here. Yeah, why don't you come up, Kelly? Kelly is the administrator and leader of the, uh, the Leadership Training School. And how many graduates have you had recently? I guess we had, um, we had four this year? Three this, this year, but since 2012, we've had close to, let's say, 20. 20 some. Yeah. Praise God and And in that, Kelly came to me and with Brian Rohr and said, "You know, is there any way the LTs graduates could become our members?" And I was immediately prepared to say, "No, no, it's impossible." Then I realized it just takes two members to 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 uh, vouch for one, and you and Brian are both members, so you can vouch for the whole school <laughs> And then the members in the school can vouch for others, and I said, "Just let it let it." Uh, exponentially multiply and so we're just delighted because I love LTS Terry says it's the greatest ministry that the Lord gave me amen come on up sweetheart we're going to welcome her in as a member of Armada and we just lift your hands up and celebrate hallelujah you don't get automatic entry just because Levi's a member (laughs) hallelujah (laughs) She, she did her own hard work. Amen. Let's all stand up, stretch our hands to her. This is just a time of celebration. Lord, Andreas, is so, she is so blessed in your presence. We are so blessed to have her. Thank you for sending her here. Thank you for bringing her from another country, culture, and language into this, this church and this place and this time. Lord, we ask that you would use her. We ask that the anointing of God would cover her. We ask, Father, that the words that she would speak, that in such a way as with Samuel the prophet, you would not let a word fall to the ground unfulfilled. I bless you for that. Lord, we receive her into the armada. Welcome aboard. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. Congratulations. Amen. Wasn't Jesus wonderful? Usually after a message like that, you need to go out and pray in tongues for a while.